Thank you, Dan and Carlos and choir and instrumentalists for our beautiful, beautiful worship today. It is the Advent Sunday of Peace. Would you turn to John 14, a well-known passage from the Johannine Gospel, the Gospel of John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let your heart be afraid. Peace I give to you. Not like the world gives you peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. I read that Dr. Phil had the following advice for how to find inner peace. I quote Dr. Phil. The way to achieve inner peace is to finish all the things that you started and never finished. The way to achieve inner peace is to finish all the things that you started and have never finished. One of his very faithful viewers took the doctor's advice and she wrote in her blog, and I quote, I looked around my house to see all the things that I had started and hadn't finished. And so before leaving the house this morning, I finished off a bottle of Zinfandel, a bottle of Bailey's Irish cream, a package of Oreos, the remainder of my Prozac prescription, the rest of the cheesecake, and some Doritos, and a box of chocolates. My slacks are a bit tight this morning, but you have no idea how incredibly good I feel today. <laughs> Dr. Phil was right. Finish what you start. Well, I don't know about Dr. Phil, but Jesus says, Peace is a gift. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give, we might translate, my peace I gift to you. Not like the world's peace. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Edie Posthill Cole, when she was a little girl, used to ask her mother, is it Saturday morning? Is it Saturday morning? Yes, it's Saturday morning, and yes, Daddy will come home today. Her mother would always answer with a smile. Oh, goody, 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 can we go and meet Daddy today? Can we meet Daddy today when he comes home? Well, it's pretty cold. We'll see how things are later. This conversation took place in my house weekend after weekend in the winter. We lived in a small village close to my sister Doreen's school, but my father's farm was eight miles away. In the summer, he could drive, but in the icy, cold, wet winter, he would have to walk back and forth once a week. 
Monday mornings were always sad. We stood in the big picture window and we watched dad as he went over the hill and we wouldn't even go back to our, our activities until we saw that his silhouette had disappeared over the hill. The week would drag by, but when it was Saturday, our gloom has vanished. Daddy would be home today, home today. My sister and I loved to meet him along the way. We'd wait for our mother to decide, and if she said yes, she would wrap us up in our warmest clothes. I had a scarf just slipped from my eyes, wrapped around my head. My heart was racing. We were going to meet Daddy, and well... My legs were short and the snow was deep and my sister Doreen would kind of have to pull me along and encourage me. And we had that steep hill, Kelly's Hill. we come across the top of Kelly's Hill. Doreen was taller and I'd say, Doreen, do you see Daddy? Do you see Daddy coming? And not yet, not yet, Doreen would reply. And finally, we could make out this lone form of figure, a silhouette coming our way. And when he got close enough, we would run to Daddy. And he would run to us. And he would open his huge arms. And we both leapt into his arms. And we hugged and we kissed. It was a joyous reunion. My father and mother and sister Doreen are in heaven now, Edie writes. I envision my arrival in heaven. I think of those Saturday mornings on Kelly's Hill. This time Jesus will run to meet me and I will leap into his arms and it will be an affectionate basking in his love and then my family will notice me and they will run to me. What a joyous reunion. And this time, no goodbyes. Jesus is saying goodbye in our text this morning. In chapter 13, right above from pastor's pals, he's telling them, I'm about to go somewhere, and I say to you, like I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot yet come. They didn't like that Jesus was saying that. It was a moment that all history had hoped for. It was the Calvary around the corner. They had left everything to follow Jesus. They had left their jobs. They had left their families. They had left their ways of life, whether fishing or gathering tax to follow Jesus. And how could he now be saying after three years together, I'm about to go somewhere, and where I'm going, you cannot come. In chapter 8 and verse 21, Jesus has said the same thing to the Jews. I'm going, and where I'm going, you can't come. They thought he was suicidal. What's he talking about? Is he about to take his own life, they ask? The disciples are just as puzzled by the discussion. We are ushering in the kingdom to Jerusalem. What do you mean you're going somewhere we can't go? We're all going together. That's what this ministry's been about. Their hearts were aching. Their hearts were troubled. You might translate this way. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. That's the Greek tense there. It's not that they aren't yet troubled. They're already troubled. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, he's saying. Have you ever noticed that Jesus speaks of heaven like he knows what he's talking about? He doesn't speak with the language of supposing. He speaks with the language of knowing. 
Put your hearts at ease. In my father's house, there are a lot of mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you and come to get you that where I am, there you may also be. Jesus is not speculating about future life. Rather, the King of kings and Lord of lords speaks as if it's his old hometown. It's the language of knowing. He had a reason he had to leave. He had to go make eternal preparation for his disciples. And he said, I certainly wouldn't go and prepare a place for my friends unless I could come get you that where I am, there you may also be. He took personal responsibility for bringing us into the Father's house. I will come and receive you into my Father's house. The first thing I want you to see this morning is this. We think about earth while Jesus thinks about heaven. We think about earth while Jesus thinks about heaven. Jesus is talking about their eternal abode, many mansions, preparing a place. They're thinking about a kingdom here on earth. You know, we really don't think much about heaven anymore, do we? Somehow, we like to live under the delusion that earth will make us happy. That there's something we can strive for, that if we'll get to that next stage of the journey, that we'll all be happy. New Testament scholar D.A. Carson wrote, we're not really homesick for heaven anymore. Not like the Christians of the past. We're not hungry enough. We're not sick enough. We're not persecuted enough, at least not in our culture. We don't really look forward to the future life when life here is pretty good. We all plan to go to heaven someday, of course, but we just don't think about it much right now. That certainly wasn't the attitude of Jesus or the Apostle Paul, who saw themselves as citizens of another kingdom only passing through on a brief journey here. We've lost our sense of awe, our sense of glory, our sense of triumph, magnificence, and wonder. Those thoughts of heaven have sort of shrunk into some image of something this joyless for us. A few years ago, in fact, Time Magazine noticed that we, evangelical believers, don't talk about heaven anymore. In fact, David Wells, theology professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, said, you think at the pulpits of believing churches, we'd hear thunderous sermons about heaven, but I just don't hear them anymore. Jesus talked about it. His first sermon was, repent for the kingdom of God has arrived. In fact, in many churches, you never even hear the word heaven unless you open up an old hymn and it's sort of tucked away in the third stanza like a bug in amber. Kind of in there, but nobody notices it, do they? Heaven just disappeared. It's kind of gone and we don't don't talk about it. We are so happy with the right here, the right now. Jesus thinks about heaven and we think about heaven. 
She's in college now, but when my niece Logan, my sister Jay's daughter, was four years old, my sister Jay, her husband Ralph, and four-year-old Logan went out to eat with some friends who had a five-year-old daughter named Bailey. Now, Bailey liked to give the blessing, and she liked to give theologically rich blessings, so the five-year-old actually prayed this at her blessing. Now, Lord, when we die, take us to heaven. We'll leave this world and go the world beyond. The four-year-old niece, Logan, just got real quiet, and all of a sudden she started crying there at the table. And her mom, my sister Jay, said, Logan, what's wrong? She says, I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to leave this world and go to the world beyond. I don't want to leave my stuff. <laughs> oh. She was just honest enough to say it. We're all pouting and crying about it, aren't we? C.S. Lewis said, our Father refreshes us on the journey in some pleasant ends, but we not, must not mistake them for home, for heaven. When the Jewish rabbi by the name of Jesus is unhappy here on earth, he talks about a heavenly home, mansions built by his father. That's okay, but right now we're happy in the here and the now. Sometimes we have convinced ourselves that we can keep our toes in the clay and be okay, haven't we? So Jesus thinks about heaven, we think about earth. Secondly, our, our sights are lifted when brokenness comes to visit. Our sights are lifted when brokenness comes to visit. You see, brokenness is coming to visit Jesus in our text this morning. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is marching toward Jerusalem, which means he's marching towards the cross. It is here that the nails will pierce his hands the thorns will pierce his brow, and the spear will pierce his side. And yet, while he's trying to tell his disciples about heaven and suffering, the disciples will have nothing of it. He speaks of the eternal, they speak of the earth. Some intellectual today, watching on television or sitting in our midst, might say, we have little more than a Baptist preacher speaking of pie in the sky. So you do. So did Jesus. Jesus' call for his disciples throughout his journey to Jerusalem, his journey to the cross, is lift your sights. Stop thinking about the here and now and start thinking about the hereafter. There's a third thing I want you to see. If you don't get anything else, get this one. The here and now, this passing world is important only as much it has bearing on the hereafter. The here and now, this passing world is important only in as much that it has bearing on the hereafter. The only thing about here that matters is how it impacts our hereafter. We could grab for more here. We can build barns and bigger barns, and we're all guilty. But tomorrow, we die. 
Everybody's talking about it. An old tycoon in our midst is putting the prized Texas Panhandle Ranch on the market for $250 million. 64,809 acres of paradise. It comes complete with a lodge for 52 guests, a lighted tennis court, a skeet trap range, a small golf course, a 30-seat theater, a two-story pub. Oh, I didn't mention the 40 bird dogs with their own veterinary clinic there on the property or the private airport illuminated runway. Did you hear what the local paper said, quoting the gentleman? He said, and I quote, I'm getting my affairs in order. And he said, I'm paring down my worldly possessions. I'm getting my affairs in order, and I'm, quote, paring down my worldly possessions. Can I translate that for you? After several health issues and reaching almost nine decades of life, a very smart man finally realizes that there is nothing in this world that is a real paradise that is worth grasping. All that has no luster when you're about to step into the next world. Jesus had a real sense that this earth is so full of evil, so overtaken by the enemy that it wasn't really his home, that he was just a pilgrim on a journey, a quick journey through earth to make it to the Father's house where the mansions were. And his journey went right through the cross to Jerusalem. Our journeys, our own pilgrimage to the eternal kingdom of God Sometimes take us through Jerusalem too, through Calvary as well, through suffering. Have our sights been lifted? Are we thinking about heaven? Jesus says to the disciples, don't be troubled. Stop worrying. I'm going, but I'm coming back, and you will be with me. Heaven is our life's end, our journey's gold, the rich repository of every single spiritual investment we make down here on earth. Our sights are lifted when we go through Jerusalem. We think about a new body, one with hands that work and feet that walk. We think about heaven, we have a broken home when we shed those tears we want to go to a place where there's no more sorrow, no more pain. And the same John tells us that every tear is wiped dry there. Some of you here this morning, indeed, you are like Jesus, homesick for heaven. And, and others of us are just like those disciples. All we can think about is the here and the now, adding success to success. And we say, pastor, pastor. Easy now. Don't rush this heaven thing, would you? This earth can never keep its promises. It is always a mirage. Nothing is real. We see a child with a disability and we realize this is a permanent disability but not in the next world and heaven seems like a good place. Our hardships drive us deeper and deeper, and 
higher and higher into the heart of God. Old famed preacher Vance Havner, and I've got to hear Vance Havner one time preach when I was a little kid, and I'll never forget it. Vance Havner once said, the hope of dying is the only thing that keeps me alive. That's the way all God's people ought to feel. The hope of dying is the only thing that keeps me alive. Stop letting your hearts be troubled. You believed in God. Believe also in me. I'm going to a different place. I'll get ready. I'm coming back for you forever together in heaven. Paul said something similar this way. If we suffer with him, we will also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Suffer with him, glorify with him. Die with him, rise with him. Fourth thing I want you to see, a lot of you know this. When someone you love is on the other side, the other side becomes an awfully important place. When someone you love is on the other side, the other side all of a sudden becomes an awfully important place. Dorothy Brewer tells a story. The house was quiet. She was all alone, and the phone started ringing sharply. And she remembers it vividly as if yesterday a small voice said, Hello, is this heaven? She thought someone was clowning around. She said, It sure is. It's heaven around here all the time. The child on the other end said, Is my grandma there? I want to speak to her. She went to heaven, and I'm so lonesome. For her. The child began to weep. On the other side of the phone, and, and Dorothy Brewer's heart went out to her, and Dorothy realized she had a child in great sorrow who thought she had actually reached heaven on the telephone. I quickly breathed a prayer to the Lord to help me, help me through this conversation. And I, I told her grandmother was sleeping and I, I couldn't wake her right now. But she said, Well, when you see my grandma, will you tell her I love her? And I miss her very, very much. I told her that when I saw her grandma, I would surely give her the message. I told her that her grandma was in a beautiful place and that she was very happy. And if she had Jesus in her own heart, one day she would see her grandma again. All right, quite satisfied, the little girl said goodbye. Wait, wait, don't hang up. A voice came on the line. The mom of the little girl had been listening in. Thank you so much. My mother had been living with us. And my daughter had gotten so attached to her grandma. And when she died, she's been sick. She's been grieving. She's not been the same. And she kept saying she wanted to call grandma. And we tried to explain to her she couldn't. She insisted she could. And my husband said, well, just let her dial. She'll, get, she'll dial at random. She'll get nothing and nowhere. And she'll see. 
but she did get something somewhere. She lived in California, and she called Dorothy Brewer in Florida. Dorothy wrote, I hope one day someone will explain to the little girl that she didn't really reach heaven on the phone, but rather she reached one of heaven's children, and I'm bound to get there before her. When I see your grandma, I will be true and honest and deliver the message. I have been praying for the little girl ever since. Our sights are lifted when we have a broken body, a broken heart, a broken home. When someone we love is on the other side, heaven becomes once again an awfully important place. What a powerful proclamation. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way to the Father. John, who writes Revelation as well, speaks of that glad and glorious day of the ultimate arrival of the kingdom of God. And he says, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will no longer be any death, no longer any mourning, no longer any pain, for all these things have passed away. Here's a fifth and final thing I want you to see. You're closer to heaven, that is to home than ever before. You're closer to heaven, that is to home, than ever before. Each moment is a step taken. Each breath is a page turned in our story. Every day is a mile marked and a mountain climb. We're closer to home than ever before. And before we know it, our appointed arrival time will come. We'll descend down that ramp into the glorious city. We'll see the faces waiting for us. And we'll finally realize we are at last really, really home. peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again, that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way. We don't know the way. I am the way. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not like the world's peace that says you have to be happy and healthy to be peaceful. I give you an eternal peace. So don't have a troubled heart. And don't be afraid. Peace. It may just be the best Christmas gift ever. Let us pray. Oh, God, thank you that this life is not it. Thank you that heaven is your old hometown, and the Son speaks of it because he's been there. 
He's come from there, returned from there, and coming to get us and take us there. I know there are a lot of troubled hearts at this time at Christmas, and there's so many of us that have someone on the other side, and may we receive this word this morning, this gift of Advent of peace. Because he's come, we don't have to be afraid. Maybe there's someone here this morning who would make Jesus her way or his way today and come forward and say, I need a Savior. I want to follow the way. Maybe there's others who would come be a part of this fellowship that preaches the gospel. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.